And it's good to be in the presence of the Lord. We're going to look into the word of the Lord. I want to speak to you on uh, a subject tonight. Uh, one word, beloved. Everybody say beloved. beloved. Now let's separate those syllables and figure out what the, what the word is trying to tell us. Be loved. Be loved. We're going to be talking about that, about being loved. And uh, we're going to look into the word of the Lord. This is a, this is a very a profound uh, concept, the love of God. And uh, we can't talk enough about it. You know, it's why you serve the Lord. You do know that because of the love of God. It's what drew you to him, the love of God. Uh, his power is amazing, of course. Uh, but, but there is no greater example of his power than his love. And everything that he did is rooted in his love. Everything that he has given us was motivated by his love. Uh, everything that he created uh, has uh, had its foundation, the love of God. And so we're going to talk about that. And I want to begin by turning your attention to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to uh, read a few verses of Scripture, verse 3, Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, beginning at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and that we should be without blame before him in love. That's how we will be made holy and how we will be made without blame. It will be done in love. And we must realize that this is where God is taking us. He is making you holy, which means separated unto him and pure. We can't be pure unless we're separated unto him. So you can't simply uh, separate yourself unto the Lord or, or separate yourself from a thing. You're actually separated unto the Lord and, and you are made pure by the fact that you have Come within the proximity of his holiness. And that is the purifying, sanctifying power. His holiness, not yours or mine. His holiness is the sanctifying power. And, and it is because we are within the proximity of his holiness. Uh, for instance, for instance, we talk a lot about being, uh, about traveling to the moon that, that we have we're so grateful for the space program that, that we've been able to achieve as a society uh, our astronauts went to the moon we launched them to the moon when in reality they were launched out of out of the earth's atmosphere and and they broke through the earth's atmosphere they broke through the gravitational pull of the earth and they moved into the gravitational pull of the moon. So when we separate ourselves, what we're trying to do by separation 
is we are trying to separate ourselves from the gravitational pull of the world and be caught by the gravitational pull of the holiness of God. So it's the Lord's holiness that begins to pull us into him, draw us into him. And it is not achievable by your might. It is not achievable by your power or by your spirit, but it's achievable by the spirit of the Lord. So we are holy and we are without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. I'm going to just take a moment and deal with that because we don't need to get confused with that word predestinated. That does not mean that God has already pre-selected who he is going to save and who he is not going to save. Otherwise, he would not have said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He would have said, I'll show you the creatures I want you to preach the gospel to. But that's not how God works. God says, come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He said, come unto me whosoever will. It is open to all. And the predestination is found in the sense that it is God's will that no man should perish. That's the predestination. The predestination is the journey of, of God in flesh, Jesus the Christ. And if you want to be a part of what has been predestinated, you'll be in Jesus Christ. Amen. And so you get into, into him. So when we talk about predestination, we're not talking about some kind of a predetermination of who can and can't be saved. Some kind of a, of a, uh, uh, a cruel lottery that some folks are pushed out of. No, no. Anybody can be saved. Anybody can be saved. Anybody can be redeemed. Anybody can turn from their wicked ways. And the Lord can save them to the uttermost. We need to know that about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, having predestinated us. Who's us? All of us. Anybody. It's the will of God for everybody in this world to be saved. He has predestinated that anybody and everybody be saved. He predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. It is a reference to his bride, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Oh, praise the Lord. And so when we talk about accepting, being accepted into the beloved or into the bride of Christ... We are talking about those who are made perfect in love. Accepted in the beloved or accepted in the beloved. Sometimes we can make a word so uh, different than its intent by the way we pronounce it. Uh, we might say the beloved. Sometimes we don't even say beloved. We say beloved. And we've so... We've so contorted it from its simplicity that it begins to mean something else. We, we end up beginning to think of it as simply beloved as a kind of a fancy way and a saying, hey, y'all. 
the beloved. Wherefore, beloved brethren. But no, it's, it's talking about beloved. And it's talking about people who have received love. It's talking about people who are loved. And it's talking about people who know they're loved. The beloved. And so what makes us perfect in the love of God is it all starts at the foundation with the concept of being loved by God. Now, our world has a problem with being loved. It, there, is a, there is an epidemic of people who don't know how to be loved, who don't believe they're worthy to be loved, who don't think that they are valued or worth anything. Insecurities are rampant, and they abound in the people of the world, and they abound in the people of the body of Christ, uh, unfortunately. But it should not be so. It should be a constant idea that, that reverberates in our spirit that we are loved. We are loved by whom? By God. The only one who matters. We are loved. We are loved. We are loved. The person who, who jumps from relationship to relationship to relationship. Don't you know what they're looking for? They're looking for that divine love that they were always supposed to receive, but because they, they have in vain looked for it in all of the wrong places, they are disappointed and hurt and, and wounded and betrayed, and they fall short of ever experiencing the great love of God. In the book of Song of Solomon, it's a depiction of Christ's love for the church, and the Bible describes this one who would look for the love of God she said, I heard the, the sound of my beloved's voice. And she said, I went into the streets looking for my beloved. That's exactly what the world has done. The world has gone into the streets looking for the love of God. They don't even know that that's what they're looking for. They might even tell you they don't believe in God. And yet they look longingly for his love. They might tell you that they that they don't believe in a higher power or that that's all they believe in. But they refuse religion, quote unquote. But in fact, they're looking for the love of God and you will never find the love of God anywhere except in the Lord. Because it comes from Him and that's where you will find it. You will find it in the Lord. So the person who sells their body, they're looking for the love of God. They don't feel they're worthy of being loved. The person who is bitter and broken and, and refuses to trust ever again, they have been convinced both by their insecurities and by unclean spirits that have spoken so persuasively to their unclean, to their spirit, that they are not worth being loved. And so they should never try again. And that if they do, they should expect it to fall apart. Because that's the way it works in the world. If you you got to be careful with those love songs. Quote, unquote, love songs. It's all about everybody's heart being torn out, broken up, beat down, kicked around. And uh, people crying in their beers and, and lost their dog, lost their house. You know, they, you know they did some backward masking on a country song one time and the guy got his house back, got his wife back, got his dog back. 
got his truck back and you got to be careful here's why you have to be careful people people sometimes we we as humans can be so dramatic and we can start to to anesthetize and try to create some kind of escape for ourselves so we don't we don't have to deal with the real issues of our life and, and we will listen to songs that say things we like to hear, that our flesh likes to hear. And, and, we're, and we think it's innocent because it's not profane or because it's not explicit. But if you understand what you're listening to, you're listening to a depressive spirit. And many of the people who wrote those songs, they wrote those songs in the depth of their despair. And it was not a depth of despair that, where they looked to the Lord for help. But instead it was a depth of despair where they gave up. And they said things like, it could have been love, but it's over now. I will always love you, but I'm only in the way, so I'll see you later. You know, it, it's, all, it's lost love is what it is. And it pulls at your heart. And it's not coming from the heart of a, of a victorious child of God. It's coming from the heart of a broken person. And that, that depressed heart of a broken person is speaking to your depressed heart. And you are, and you're letting it uh, anesthetize you like a drug almost. It's, it's, it's kind of taking away the pain in that moment. And, and yet, it's, it's actually numbing it just long enough for you to feel like somebody understands what you're experiencing. And, and then that's going to go away, and that pain is going to come right back. Because you didn't get done what needs to be done. When we sing songs and spiritual songs, making melody in our heart to the Lord, it doesn't need to be written by someone who waited for a muse. That's where we get the word music. A muse to show up and affirm all of their fleshly, carnal, depressed, oppressed, suppressed, pessimistic, negative, defeated attitude. But it needs to be somebody who in their brokenness lifted their eyes to the hills from whence came their help. And they found that their help was in the Lord. Amen. So they say things like, I once was lost. But now I'm found. I once was blind. I remember when they took my truck, my dog, my house. But now I see. Amen. And, and it's amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You start singing those songs and, and your heart is not going to be lulled off into some kind of a, of a slumber of of sadism and sadness, but instead it's going to be lifted by the power of Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so we look to the Lord and to help us understand what does love feel like and what does love look like and, and, and being made perfect in love. All of these folks that have, been, have, have shown exactly how not to love Trying to give everybody else advice on what love is. But, but real love can only be determined by God. You know why? You want to know why? Because God is love. I, I, that, that is, you have to stop and consider what the scripture just said there. 
God is love. He, this isn't something that he's guessing about. This isn't something that he is trying to, to share his experience. He is love. Not human love. Agape love. It is divine love. God is love. And so when I tell you today, be loved, it's kind of like, I want to say it in the same sense as be happy. Be of good cheer. Be be, uh, victorious. Be loved. Let God love you because God does indeed love you. This is what is amazing about the Lord. The Lord does not love you because you are good. He loves you because he is good. See, many times people think they have to become good so God will love them. That's a false understanding of the love of God. God loves you because his nature is so holy and so pure and so righteous that he loves you regardless of who you are or what you've done. He loves you. You have to know that about God. Now, the Bible does not call his love unconditional. The Bible calls his love perfect, which is a much better word. Romans chapter 5 and verse 8. Well, we're going we're gonna to actually verse 7. Romans 5 and verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. So he's saying scarcely for a righteous man will one die. You're not, it's very rare that you're going to find somebody that will lay their life down for another person who is righteous and good and worthy and then it said yet peradventure or perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die so you're not going to find very many people that will lay their life down for a righteous man you're not going to find beyond that you're not even going to find very many people who would lay down their life for a good man but God commended his love toward us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Glory to God. Woo, I, want, I, want to, I want to point that out to you again. It did not read as we often feel. While we were sinners, Christ was waiting for us to stop being sinners so he could die for us. It does not say God commended his love toward us in that once we stopped sinning, then he died for us. No, no, no. While we were sinners, while we were rebellious, while we were ungodly, while we were unrepentant, while we were hurtful and hateful and bitter and broken and lustful and proud and envious and greedy and deceptive, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That is the love of God. Oh, hallelujah. And we ought to rejoice in the Lord every day for it. I said we ought to rejoice every day in the Lord for it. It is the reason why we sing. It is the reason why we shout. It is the reason why we clap our hands and sing unto the Lord a new song. As a matter of fact, that is the new song we sing. When I was talking a moment ago about the new song, that's the song we sing. We used to sing, you know, all my exes live in Texas or whatever you, whatever. 
I'm really grasping here, y'all. I didn't, I didn't write down secular songs to share, so pardon me. <laughs> but, but the new song we sing is Wonderful Peace Coming Down from the Father Above. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Victory is mine. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart, they rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. Glory to his holy name. Glory to his holy name. Isaiah chapter 53. Who hath believed I report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Listen to what he did. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before his shearers is dumb. So openeth not his mouth. That's your God who came through all of those, all of that punishment and all of that chastisement and all of that brokenness on your behalf while you were a sinner while you were cursing him while you were blaspheming him while you were turning your back on him while you didn't care about Calvary while you didn't care about the word of God while you were mistreating your family while you were mistreating your loved ones while you were turning your back on him and rebelling against his word he died for you Not because you're good, because he's good. You have to know that. You really have to understand that because of the fact that you will never be able to be made perfect in love if you don't know that he loves you and that's it. You don't have to put a comma on it. You don't have to say he loves you, but no. He loves you. And instead of putting a comma there, why don't you put 22 exclamation points and put it in all bold caps. He loves you. He loves you. He said in Isaiah 65 verse 1, I am sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. Behold me, I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. Oh, Lord, I feel your presence. He was, he said, I was, I was found of them that were not searching for me. They were out in the streets and they were looking to every drug for some kind of a different high. 
They were checking every bottle for some kind of a different numbing of the pain. They were going from relationship to relationship, trying to find somebody to fill a void they didn't even understand. They went from one perversion to another, from one hurt to another, and I was, I was always in their path saying, behold me, behold me, I'm what you're looking for, I'm what you long for, hallelujah, I was, I was eventually found of them that asked not for me, and I was, I was sought of them that asked not for me, found of them that sought me not. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people which walketh in a way that was not good after their own thoughts. Hallelujah. He was stretching his hands out for them. Oh, bless his name. See, somebody said, well, be careful with that, pastor, because if you start telling people that God loves them and that's that, then they might get the wrong idea and think they can just do whatever they want to do. I know that fear. I'm well acquainted with that fear. I had, I had that fear. I remember preaching from Psalm 136, one of the great passages of the Bible, where for about 18, 19 or so verses, it's just the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. And I got to about verse 10... And I thought, uh-oh, I better clarify this. God forgot to clarify himself, so I better do it for him. See, God's going to give them the impression that his mercy endures forever. And I better just, I better just interject here and make sure he knows how he's coming across. So... So I was just about to interrupt the, the sequence and say, now don't get the wrong idea. And the Lord checked me, like body checked me and said, don't try to improve my word. Just preach my word. Just keep repeating it. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. Now, but my flesh, that didn't make sense. And so I prayed to the Lord. I said, but God, they're going to get the wrong idea. And they're going to, they're going to abuse your mercy. And they're going to abuse your grace. And if they get this idea that you just love them. And you just have mercy. Then they're going to, I, I got to tell them they shouldn't abuse that. Because that's, that's, isn't that true? And the Lord began to show me they will abuse it. And it's part of the plan. See, Peter had the same feeling I had when Jesus said, they're going to take me and deny me. They're going, to, they're going to betray me, and they're going to crucify me, and they're going to number me with the transgressors. And Peter had the same feeling I had where he said, I will not allow people to abuse Jesus. And so he stood up to him and said, not as long as I live, they're not going to abuse you. I know that feeling, and so do you. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, you want to say that word? Satan. Satan. He didn't say messenger of Satan. He didn't say. He said, hey, Lucifer. I mean, that's going to get somebody's attention. Beelzebub. Satan, get thee behind me. You don't understand the things of God. 
See, what's going to happen is they're going to abuse me. They're going to put a crown of thorns on my head. They're going to put stripes on my back. They're going to put a spear in my side. They are going to abuse me. That is going to happen. And when I should call legions of angels and consume all of them on the spot, I'm going to open my mouth. But instead of declaring their judgment, I'm going to shout, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in that moment, they're going to look on him whom they had pierced. And they're going to start saying things like, truly, this was the Son of God. Do you see how love, the love of God works? Once people really, truly do know that they are beloved of God, it changes them. Because you can, you can sit there and say, all right, pastor, I know, I know God loves me. Can we move on to the next point? No, no, no. See, the fact that you said that to me says you don't understand it even yet. Because you can't rush through that statement. Let's start over. Start at the beginning. God loves me. That's the, all right, God loves me. All right. But let's start at the beginning. God. Wait, don't, don't rush it now. God. The one who knows all things. The one who knows everything about me. Everything I've said. Everything I've done. Everything I've thought. Everybody I've hurt. Everybody I've hurt on purpose or on accident. Every, every, everything that I should go to hell for, he knows it. God. Who has power to destroy my body and my soul in hell. God. Now, once you truly have understood God, which good luck with that, God loves me. When you, when you come to an understanding of that, and you can know it in theory, but, but, but God will take you through experiences that help you not only to know it, but to understand it. And when you understand it, it begins to work something inside of you. And, and all of a sudden, people don't have to, have to beg you to live holy. Holiness is what you want. People don't have to pump you or prime you to be faithful. Faithful is what you become. Because you realize he loves me. He just does love me. When you really, truly understand that, it, it creates a spark in you. And this is what God knows about you because he's your creator. When you, when you understand and are fully confident that you are loved, it sparks a loyalty in you and a faithfulness in you and a holiness in you that no rule or regulation could ever spark or initiate. Because you realize he loves me. It is so fulfilling. It is so satisfying. See, the, the lusts of your flesh are based on not being fulfilled in love. So when you are fulfilled in love, it begins to temper the lusts of your flesh. It's called being made perfect in love. So we're going to continue on when the scripture talks about this. Let's, let's go to... Uh, Let's go to Romans chapter 12. I want to read a few things. Uh, 
in Romans 12. You know what? First, let's go to 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to switch this up just a little bit. Let's go to 1 John chapter 4 because I want to talk a little bit about being made perfect in love. Because this is what God wants to do. He wants to, he wants to make you perfect in love. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1. Beloved. Everybody say beloved. beloved. Or you can say beloved. But I like, to, I like to say be loved. Be loved. Believe not every spirit. See, I like the way he prefaces that. Because he doesn't say, he doesn't say brethren. And he, he doesn't say folks. <laughs> and he doesn't say hey y'all. He says, hey you who are loved. I want you to get that at the foundation. Before I teach you anything else, I want you to, I want you to understand who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the people whom he loves. This coming from the man who understood I am the disciple who Jesus loves. So, so this was the foundation of his whole ministry, his whole life. This is why he survived the Isle of Patmos. Because when things didn't make sense and he didn't know why he was in exile, he was anchored to one infallible truth. I am the disciple who Jesus loves. He loves Yes, I can make it through the Isle of Patmos experience because I know he loves me. So now I'm going to speak to you, John says. Hey, be loved. All you who are loved, get that in your spirit. Know who I'm talking to because I'm getting ready to give you some understanding. But it's going to be built on the foundation of you are loved of God. Be loved. Believe not every spirit. People fall prey to the lies of evil spirits when they don't know they are the loved of God. That's when they fall prey to evil spirits. See, people who know they are loved of God and they're confident in that love of God and the love of God sustains them and undergirds them, they don't want anything to do with any other spirit. I don't need to, I don't need to listen to another spirit. Why would I tune into another spirit when all I need is in Jesus? Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth not, or that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God, and this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof you have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. You are of God, little children. And have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore speak they of the world and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved. He says it again. Hey, hey, the, the, the congregation of the beloved. Let us love one another. That's the foundation of loving one another. Is that you are the loved of God. For love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. Herein is love. That we loved God. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. Do you hear that? I want to read that again. Verse number 10. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved. Again, he calls them by 
the identity of them being loved of God. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us. And his love, here it is, is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. See, his love is perfected in us. There is a perfecting of love. Now, I want to show you some of the, some of the perfecting of love in Romans chapter 12. Uh, we're going to read, beginning at verse 9, Romans chapter 12. When you have it, say amen. When it shows up on the screen, say hallelujah. All right, there we go. Romans chapter 12, verse number 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Let it be without hypocrisy. That's so important. Let love be without ulterior motive. Let love be pure. Don't let it be tainted with hypocrisy. Abhor or hate that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. That means preferring and deferring and giving people what you would like to have. Give them what you would like to have. If there's a good seat and, and it's the best seat left, don't rush to it and play musical chairs and bump them out of it and Sorry, buddy, should have been a little quicker. No, if you, if you want it, good chances are they want it. Give it to them. Let them have it. Bless them. Prefer one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality, now, there's a bunch that we could have talked about there that all of it's powerful, but we want to stay focused on the matter of love. And we're going to get to that in verse 14. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. All right, I'm going to make an altar call, and I'm going to get down here in the altar. Nobody else has to even come. I just, this is just for me. Bless them which persecute you. Bless and curse not. Verse 15. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. That means when, when you've been jealous of somebody. Jealous of their success. Jealous of their promotion. Jealous of the good things coming their way. And, 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 and instead of being jealous. You should have been rejoicing with them the whole time. For every blessing the Lord gave to them, you should have been given. God praise you ought to shout it like it was you who was blessed. You should rejoice with them that rejoice. And see, because here, here's why. Let me explain to you something. This is very important because great condemnation follows this. Too many times we are jealous of those who have a reason to rejoice. We're jealous of those who have consistent blessings of God in their life. And then some kind of a situation happens in their life where they are brought to weeping and brought to tears. And that's when you realize how foolish you were because you realize they were human like you 
and God had been good to them, and while you should have been rejoicing with them, here they are now in a position of weeping, and you're conflicted. You need to weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice instead of secretly rejoicing when people have bad things come their way and being jealous of them while they're being blessed of the Lord. Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Now, I want to clarify that, where that, what that is referring to. It's not saying be condescending. It's saying go down to those who are of low estate. Be with them in their position of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense, listen to this, because I'm talking about being perfected in love. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Don't take it upon yourself to get them back. Don't do it. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Yeah, but they did it to me. Doesn't matter. You have to answer to God for you. You're not going to answer to God for them. You're not going to stand before the Lord and say, yeah, but they said this and they did that and they lied and they... No, no. You have to provide things honest in the sight of all men. So that when you stand before God in judgment, you can clearly say, Lord, I was, I, this, this is the direction that I took even though this injustice happened to me. You need to have a right spirit and to be made perfect in love. Notice what it says. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, I want to pause in this verse and point out what the scripture is saying. Because we read that scripture and we many times think that God is saying, dearly beloved, there's that word, I love it, dearly loved of God, See, I'm going, to, I'm going to convey to you a principle, he's saying. And before you can truly grasp the principle, you have to grasp the foundation of the principle, which is, I am loved of God. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Give place unto wrath. And this is it. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. That does not mean only Vengeance is mine. I will, rip, I will get them back for you. It is, it is referring most primarily to the fact that God will restore to you what they took from you. I will repay. Don't hold it against them. I'll take care of it. Yeah, but I, but I lost good years. I will, res- I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. It's called forgiveness. It's giving for them. I will give for them. Don't hold it against them. They'll never be able to pay you back. See, some of you, some of you are like a debt collector banging on the door of somebody who cannot pay you back. 
for what they took from you. And you're wanting it to come from them, and it can't come from them. They don't have it to give you. They don't have it within their storehouse. They are bankrupt spiritually. They are broken and without ability to pay you back. So God steps in the middle and says, don't avenge yourself. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. I will give it to you. You just forgive them and, and, and lean on me. I will restore to you the years the locusts have eaten. See, when you come to this understanding, you're being made perfect in love. It's part of being made perfect in love. Avenge not yourselves, but give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. Vengeance, it belongs to God. You know, in Isaiah chapter 59, the Bible describes the Lord as a warrior. And it gives him a helmet of salvation. And he has a, he has a breastplate of righteousness. And then you look at Ephesians chapter 6, and it describes us as warriors. And it tells us to take on the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. But in Isaiah 59, it also mentions that the Lord has upon him the garments of vengeance. But in Ephesians 6, it doesn't say that we have the garments of vengeance. See, we don't, that's one thing God wears we don't get to wear. It is his. It's not mine. I remember my brother and I used to preach as little kids from a, a pulpit that stood about this high. Sometimes it was a pulpit, other times it was a pirate ship. We just lay it down, it had a nice little, you know, little shelf in there, and he'd get in one side and I'd get in the other side, and we were pirates, and and then we'd we'd get spiritual again and pull it back up and preach from it. And that was my pulpit. I mean, it, it, Brother C.P. Kilgore made it for my father when my dad was five years old. Brother C.P. Kilgore preached at Calvary Tabernacle and Indianapolis and made it for my father and so my father had it in his house and let my brother and I preach from it well when I got married and moved out of the house I I was packing up all my things and was moving out of the house and I was walking out the door with that pulpit under my arm and God and God <laughs> sounded like God dad said where do you think you're going with that pulpit that's not yours. That was made for me. That's the way the garments of vengeance are. They belong to God. They don't belong to you. God wears the garment of vengeance. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. But, but you don't, you're not, listen, this is imperfect love. You standing around saying, all right, pay them back. Get them. I want to see them. I want to see their business falter. I want to see their finances crumble. I want to see their marriage break up. I want to see. I want to see their health break. Come on, get them. Where are the hailstones? Come on. I thought vengeance was yours, and and you'll repay. No, no, no. He's going to repay you what they took from you, and you don't worry yourself how he deals with them. You just release it. That's perfect love of God. And, and you can do that when you understand you are the beloved of God. His perfect love has come to you and he loves you with a perfect love. And so you understand that. Notice what it says in verse 20. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, therefore, if thine enemy hunger. See, in the context of vengeance is his, he will repay Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. 
Therefore, if not your friend, not your, not your president of your fan club, not the folks that are always saying good things about you, your enemy, the one you want God to take vengeance on. Therefore, if your enemy hunger, feed him. And if he thirst, give him drink. Now we're going to move into another statement here that we've grown accustomed to, and I just want to help us understand it. For in so doing, thou shalt heat coals of fire on his head. Anybody ever heard that statement from the Bible? Have you ever heard that statement? You'll heap coals of fire on their head. I've heard, I heard that as a kid. I remember somebody saying, I'm, I can't wait till I see them. I'm going to be so nice to them. And it's going to make them so mad. I'm going to heap coals of fire on their head. And I thought, well, that's how that works. You just be nice to somebody who doesn't deserve it. And man, are you really going to get them then? And, and, and you, we have to be careful because even the purest of intended teachings can have the flavor of flesh in it. For instance, somebody said, forgive someone, not for them, but for you. Well, it's true. It is true that, that, that you are the one blessed by forgiving them, but forgive them for them. Don't forgive them for selfish reasons. That's imperfect love. Forgive them to release them. You're going to be blessed. You, you, you're going to be blessed. But rejoice in their blessing. See, when you do so, you heap coals of fire on their head. Not to burn them up. Oh, this is really going to burn their biscuits. This is really going to make them so mad. I can't wait till I see them. I'm going to smile real big, shake their hand, say something nice, and they're going to hate it. And I'm going to love it. That's not what the Bible is teaching. That's so, that's so fleshly. That's so human. That's so fallen. What the Bible is teaching is that when you give your enemy food when he's hungry and drink when he's thirsty, you heap coals of fire on their head. Coals of fire in the scriptures are used to purify. And, and what you have come to an understanding as, an, as those accepted in the beloved, are, you have come to understand that it was impure thinking that led them to wound you in the first place. And so you forgive them because you have been made perfect in the love of God. So when your enemy comes and they're hungry, you feed them. When they're thirsty, you give them drink. They're expecting you to curse them. They're expecting you to be bitter toward them and to hate them. But when you shock them with what Jesus did, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The coals of fire enter into their thought process and begin to purify the very thoughts that led them to wound you in the first place. See, you're not, you're not looking to make folks miserable. You're not looking to get them back. You're not looking to burn them up. You're not looking to, I'll forgive you for what it does for me. I don't care what it does for you. No, no, see, you're still not made perfect in love. 
You forgive them because you're an evangel of fire. You forgive them because you're an ambassador for Christ. You forgive them because you are crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. And yet you live. You forgive them because it is the will of God to forgive them. And, and, and get ready. Get ready because this is going to amaze all of us. You actually will love them. And you will want to forgive them. Glory to God. See, this is, what, this is what John meant in 1 John 3 when he said, Beloved, <laughs> what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? It, he said it in the same context when he said, What manner of man is this whose voice even the winds and the waves obey? He was simply in awe. I don't even know what kind of love I'm talking about. I just know it's a manner of love that is not of this world. These are the coals of fire. You know where the coals of fire come from? They come from off the altar in the presence of the Lord. These are the same coals of fire that Isaiah saw when he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, and the earth was filled with his glory. And he said, and the seraphims flew, having six wings, and they flew covering their face, their feet, and they flew with the other set of wings. And they were saying, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. And, and he said, then one of the angels took a live coal from off the altar. When he saw the holiness of God, when he saw the glory and the power of God, he fell on his face and said, woe is me, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And then one of the angels took a live coal in his hand and flew it down to where he was and placed that live coal on his lips and purified his lips. And that's the same coal that comes from your spirit to that of your enemy when you feed them when they're hungry and give them to drink when they're thirsty. Romans 12 verse 21 concludes this chapter this way. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. See, you, you, you don't, I don't know what abuse you experienced. I don't know what betrayal you went through. I don't know what kind of problems you faced. But don't let that stuff overcome you. Be loved. Be loved. Be loved of God and overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands to the Lord right now and thank Him for His precious love? Thank Him for His precious love. Oh, 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 oh hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's love the Lord together right now. Let's love the Lord together right now. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. Come on, let's love him all across this building. Let's love the Lord together right now. Hallelujah. Why don't you just tell him, Lord, let me feel your love right now. Let me feel your love right now. Let me feel your love right now. Let's stand to our feet in this place. Let's stand to our feet. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, how he loves you and me. 
Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he God and say, Lord, I want you to, I want you to love me. Help me to receive your love. Loves you and me. 